good evening, my brothers and sisters in Christ. How is everyone doing? Good? Praise God. We're all alive, we're all breathing, we're all here, we can see with our eyes, we can hear with our ears, we can process with our brains, we can talk, we can sing. Amen? Man, with this being said, I would like to start off with a video. Is that okay? Yeah, it's an eight-minute eight clip of an interview, and please listen, follow along with it, and we're going to speak about it. We're going to talk a little bit about it afterwards. The topic for tonight is change and repentance, so please keep in mind the words repentance, change, and the life of a Christian when it comes to all these things. If you can please turn the video on, thank you. I think we, we, we dilute what it means to be a disciple from the beginning. We, uh, and we want to give people an assurance. All right, you're saved. Mm -hmm. You said it. You raised your hand. All right, you're, 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 you're saved. Without really letting some time be there, not where they have to prove their salvation or earn mm -hmm. their salvation, but letting some time be there to see yeah, has there been a heart change? Like, is mm -hmm. the Spirit of God in this person? I don't want to tell somebody, yeah, and as a pastor or just as a, as a, as a brother, or sister. I mean, I love a person enough to say, "Hey, we'll, we'll wait and see." George Whitfield, preacher, Great Awakenings, thousands and thousands of people at a time. He'd be asked after he he preached to thousands of people, how many people were saved, and he said, oh, "We'll see six months or a year from now," and. Hmm. I mean, that's so different from yeah. today. We're like, yeah. oh, we had this many or this. But, and he's not saying, well, they got to earn their salvation in yeah. the next six months. It's, yeah. And let's wait and see. And, and as, as people have a heart change, then I think they'll genuinely, when they read commands mm -hmm. in Scripture, they'll say, I want to obey these. How do I obey mm -hmm. these? And there'll be a desire there um, as opposed to what we often find ourselves doing. Um, and that's saying, well, do this, do this, do this, and people walk away like the rich young ruler that you talked about mm -hmm. earlier. Okay, I feel bad. I mean, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just not been a fundamental heart change that then leads to life change and new purpose, new mind, new dreams, new passions uh, that really feeds into, into a desire to make the gospel known. Mm -hmm. Like I think about... Uh, Heather and I, my wife, and uh, uh, you know our family yeah. story. And for, for years, we wanted to have kids. We had this desire for kids, but the Lord wasn't providing that in the way we had hoped. He's ended up providing in ways that we never could have imagined. But, but fundamentally, there was a part of us that had a desire to create life, mm -hmm. that had a desire to see life come from mm -hmm. us. And that's just natural. Yeah. And the the fact that that wasn't happening was saying there's something wrong. Yeah. If, if there's, sorry to go a little crass here, but if reproduction isn't happening, then what? There's something physically, biologically that needs to be addressed. Well, if reproduction is not happening in a, in a Christian's life, like mm. there's something wrong at the mm. core here. Like there's yeah. something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. And, uh, and because being a disciple involves making disciples, I mean, that's, always been there 
in from beginning of Matthew to end of Matthew, it's just clear. So if we're not making disciples, are we really disciples? Like that's a huge question yeah. that we've got to ask. Yeah. And we've got to look at and either drive us to say, okay, maybe we're not disciples, which may be a large percentage mm -hmm. of folks, or okay, maybe I'm a disciple mm -hmm. and this is an area where we, I, I, I must obey. Mm -hmm. And not, not because I have to, but because the Spirit of Christ in me compels me to, yeah. and because this is life, and this is joy, yeah. and this is, this is what Christian life is all about. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to miss that. Yeah. And I don't want the people that I pastor to miss that. And yeah, uh, and yeah this is where, this is where it's found. That. I love it because we, we just, we, we're quick to make statements, um, grand statements, like, mm. I give you my life. And, mm. and I think that's what Whitfield was saying. Yeah. Like, great. Yeah, right. Let's see it. Just like Jesus yes. would say, he didn't entrust himself That's to right. these men because he knew what was in their hearts. Mm -hmm. People, Hosanna, blessed be. That yeah. means nothing. Right. You know, I mean, how many times do you see that in scriptures? Mm. Like, you say this, but yeah. you call me Lord, but why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I ask you? Mm. Like, big deal. You call me Lord, confess me as Lord, but you're not doing what I, what, what kind of master am I? Mm. And so it's this, uh, it's, it's, it's like, I've done it where it's like, man, I'm going to start. I am going to get in shape. I'm going to run every day this year. You know, I'll say something right, like sure. that. Then six months later or six days later, I'll see, did he really mean what he said? Right. And and I think I, I see that in scriptures. Like, mm. you know, the, the, the fruit will show. Um, mm. You know, if the tree's for real, it's, it's going to bear fruit. Yeah. Um, you'll see the action but we want to make those statements and we're not following it up and we're deceiving ourselves. I, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, how James talks about how we can be hearers of the word but not doers. And so we're deceiving ourselves um, because we're listening and listening and uh, amen, 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 but we're not doing it. Mm. And, and, you know, Satan is the father of lies. He mm. loves deception. Mm. He mm. loves... Um, to deceive people, but I think in a lot of ways, he's very happy with what he sees in a lot of gatherings, because mm. they're like, I don't even need to work there. Mm. They're deceiving themselves. Mm -hmm. They're going there, you know, hearing a message, amening it and not doing it. They're deceiving themselves. Mm. I, I think Satan's actually very pleased. Um, <laughs> I, I want to be careful with it. I mean, based on what I see in scripture, I think there are times when he's pleased that the word of God is preached and not mm. obeyed mm. and that deception is going on um, because that's his MO. That's mm. what he loves to do. Mm. He loves to deceive. And so if there's a bunch of people thinking they're following God because they're going, oh, yeah, I heard, oh, I heard a really tough message by David Platt the other day. You know, I heard this. I, I got so convicted. I walked away. I even walked away sad. I, me and my friends, we even cried. You know, it's just like this, wow, yes, yeah. we did it. And I really think the enemy is going, oh, this is great. Hmm. This is great. They're not... I, when Jesus was about repent, like, mm -hmm. let me see you turn. John the Baptist, repent. Let me see you turn. Peter, repent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's turn, turn, turn. And we're all about feel bad, make a grand statement. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think Satan's actually pleased with that. That's huge because the more we do that, 
the more our hearts are, are hardened, yes. the more our hearts are content with that, the more we just drift into, okay, this is the way it is. Yeah. And the deception just, it's, that's dangerous. Yeah. It's damning. Like yeah. that is. It is. And, yeah. and we walk away going, man, we did it. Did you yeah. see there were 5,000 people there? Uh, and they were all convicted uh, and thinking we did something or that there was a victory. Mm. When I think we'll be surprised that it's really the enemy going, oh, that's great. Look, at, they're even cheering for themselves. Yeah. But no one's repenting. Right. You know, that's one of the things. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, especially after writing what you did in Crazy Love. Because when I think about what I was writing about in Radical is kind of, all right, let's, all right, let's see the idols in our culture and the American dream that we hold on to. But what I found in, in kind of hearing response from people was people feeling bad for that, mm -hmm. but then saying, okay, and maybe even doing something kind of mm. sporadic. Okay, oh, okay, well, I'm yeah. gonna sell this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna mm. change this. But then not really Okay, not just what, what am I going to let go of, but who am I going to hold on to? Who Am I going to hold on to Jesus? Mm. Am I going to follow Jesus? And, 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 and otherwise, I don't know, I just feel like there can be an emptiness mm -hmm. in, yeah, it's exactly what you're talking about, in feeling a conviction about this or that. Uh, and so I don't want to just say, well, we need to let go of these things yeah. and leave it at that. No, we need to let go and we need to hold on to Christ and we need to cling to Christ and we need to yeah. follow Christ and we need to obey Christ. And let's look at what he says. Let's, let's do it. Thank you for that. Who was blessed with this video? I, raise your hand if you were blessed. I was blessed. And so earlier when I watched it, I want to share it with you. What did you take from it? I just want a few minutes to discuss this video. What did you take? Okay. What else did you take? Joey. Okay, good. What, what about on this sister side? Anything? What did you take from it? We hear it, we don't act on it. All right, good. Do you see that right now in our, in our culture? Yeah? Do you see the people are running to places to list, listening things but not doing what it says? Do you see people oftentimes saying, I gave my life to Jesus, but... Four or five months later, there's zero fruit. You don't see that 180-degree repentance that Scripture speaks about. It's good to consider these things, to think about what Scripture teaches and what we ought to do. So for tonight, I'm going to give it a few minutes to speak about repentance and change. That is repentance and change. So a few things I would like to first bring up to our attention. What do we repent from? Question number one. Question number two. How often do we need to repent? Question number three. Why do we need to repent? Question four. What happens if we do not repent? And question number five is, do we need to have evidence for our repentance? So these are pretty basic questions concerning the topic of 
repentance. Do we need to do it? Why? How often? Why do we need to do it? What happens if we do not repent? And do we need to have evidence to prove that we repented? Okay, so first, in order to repent, we first need to believe. And this brings me to the first point. Believe. Believe in what? I want to have a little dialogue tonight. Believe, if you need to repent, well, which we all do, right? We all need to repent. And we'll get to that why. Believe in what in order to repent? Let's have people who haven't raised their hands. This is very basic. Sure. That Jesus Christ died for us, right? All right, Jesus Christ died for us, gave up his life for us, and whoever believes in him should not perish. Okay, good. That brings us to John 3.16, which says what? For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son, that whoever believes... Amen? All right, we know this verse by memory. John chapter 1, verse 12. It says these words, Who believes in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. Again, the common denominator, believe. Believing in God. Believing in Jesus Christ. Believing that he is God, that he came in the flesh. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. If you believe, you and your household will be saved. Apostle Paul told this to the Philippian jailer when he ran in and said, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? He said, believe in God. Believe in Christ Jesus. Believe that he's Lord. You and your household are then saved. All right, you believe in that. And continuing on, Romans chapter 4, verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. All these verses have something in common. They believe. You believe in God. You believe what Christ did on the cross for you. You believe what Christ is able to do and continue to able to do. And so believing in Him, then what? Is it just believe? Well, Acts and Scripture actually teach not only believe, but believe and repent. Repentance and believing always come hand in hand. You can believe, but without repentance, there's pointless. It's absolutely pointless. Uh, James says, you believe in God? Good. Well, look, even the demons believe in and they shudder. And so he speaks about faith and works there. And so continuing on, so from believing, we go to repentance. So what is repentance? What, what does it mean to repent? We often hear this, repent, repent. Change your mind? Okay, what else? Okay, get on your knees, cry out to God, and ask Him to forgive you of your sins. What else does it mean to repent? Change your life? Alright, what else? Die to your flesh? Good. What else? You don't want to repeat the sin? Okay. All right, let me give you an illustration. What am I doing right now? 180 degree, right? So to repent means you're turning 180 degrees. So yes, you're dying to your flesh. 
Yes, you're changing your mind in the things that you wanted, you no longer want. Yes, you're changing your life. You yourself can't change it. You're making decisions to follow Christ, and he changes you. Yes, you fall on your knees, you cry out to God, you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to change. I repent. Today I want to change and live for you. That's repentance. Uh, uh, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the verse that was read earlier today. Repent. Be baptized. You'll receive a gift. Without believing, without repenting, you will never receive any gift from God. You will not receive the gift of eternal life. You will not receive the Holy Spirit or anything. Because you must repent and believe. So repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may, not, that your sins may be blotted out. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. So we repent, and the question is, what do we repent from? It's our sins, from our former life, from our former passions. I want to read several passages. Ephesians chapter 4, that is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. It says these words. Ephesians 4, 22. It says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And again, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, it says these words. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. It says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices. There's an old self, and there's a new self. We know from the book of 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul speaks about, Behold, the old has gone, the new has come. I'm a new creation. When you repent, when you turn your life 180 degrees against the world, the fleshly desires, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all these things, when you turn your life against it, and you follow Christ, you make your de decision right there to follow Christ once and for all throughout your whole life. This, this is repentance. So continuing on, how often, I want to ask you this question, how often do we need to repent? So uh, to be saved, you only need to have that one repentance and salvation. But once you believe, you should always be repenting. Uh, when the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? He said, pray like this, Father, forgive us for our debts. So it's normal to keep repenting. And we confess our sins one to another that we might be healed. healed. Yeah. So we should always be confessing and repenting our sins. Did you hear that answer? So how much repentance, or how many times do you, how often do you repent? Realistically, you have that one repentance when you turn fully to Christ. And yes, along the Christian walk, you confess your sins. You ask for forgiveness. You ask God to forgive you. And so it's like the, have you ever seen the charts for the stock market? The arrow's going up, then goes down, then goes up, then goes down, then goes up again. This is really our Christian walk with Christ. And so we, we're, we're doing a good streak, and all of a sudden we slip. And then we ask for forgiveness. We go up again, and down again, and up again. And with each time, by God's grace, as God's children who believe, who repented, who are growing in Christ, we are doing this. I hope that is encouraging to you. Not to ever think, I've messed up so bad that I can't be saved. 
No, there's always, always grace from Christ for you. I want to turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. That is 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. It says these words, and I'll read a little bit further down. For if they had escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandments delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow after washing herself returns to the wallow in the mire. What does the scripture speak of here? If a person confessed, repented, follow Christ, live for Christ, obeying Christ, then they say, never mind, I want nothing to do with it. And they turn their back another 180 degrees. What circle did they just do? They just did a 360. So you did a 180 against the world, you're living for Christ, and all of a sudden a person grows really cold, says, I don't want nothing to do with this, and they turn back again. They do another 180. And what does that mean? They're going back to the world. They put their back towards Christ. And Scripture says here, it's as the proverb says, the dog returns to its own vomit. So please, take the repentance seriously. Take the grace of God and the mercy of God seriously. Grow in His grace and in His mercy. Don't treat it with contempt. Don't disgrace it. Don't ridicule it. Don't ignore it. Don't quench the spirit. Don't put the fire out. Don't turn your back on God. Amen? Amen. But continue to grow in Him. So from repentance, from how often do we need to repent, technically, one time. And as you grow in Christ, you continue to ask for forgiveness. You continue to ask Christ to forgive. And you grow in Christ and you grow, and you grow. So that, that's the process of changing. So from there, I want to continue on to this, world, to this word called reconciliation. All right. So the question here now is, why do we need to repent? Let's get back row. I haven't heard anything from back there. So uh, brothers in the back and a few sisters, what? here's the question for you. Why do we need to repent? For our sins. Yeah, amen. Why? What? Because we do them and we need to ask. Okay. So we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to repent because of our sins. What if we don't? Okay, let's continue on. John appeared, John the Baptist appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Right? Amen. All right, so he's, rep- he's saying, he's telling him to repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. Do a 180-degree turn from your former life from your sins and follow God, according to Mark chapter 1, verse 4. And so a few passages I want to read to you is Matthew 5, 25. Open up to Matthew 5, chapter 5. Verse 25, it says these words. 5.25, it says, 
Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. What is Christ saying here? He's saying this. Look, you have sin. You have something that you've done wrong. You've broken God's law, his commandment. You are in sin. And you need to go to that person. You need to ask him for forgiveness. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is the judge. He is the one who held or, or is able to judge each and every single person. Guilty, non-guilty. The believer, the non-believer. He is able to judge. And because of this, he is able to bring up a list of sins that we've done if we have not asked for repentance of. And he, he can say, you are guilty of sin. And so, if you don't repent, what happens? You perish. You have no eternal life. You have eternal death. That's what it is. If you don't ask for repentance. So Christ says here, while you are on the road, which is our road in life, ask for forgiveness. This is a process of reconciliation. Let's open up to 2 Corinthians. I want to open up passages to, to, to show how Scripture teaches it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. I mentioned this verse. But I'll read it. Now, therefore, we are, this is right after the, behold, the old has gone, the new has come, I'm a new creation. So, so here, as we read, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on our behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So why do we need to repent? We need to repent to be reconciled to God. If you are not reconciled to God, then, then you, won't, you won't live. You won't have life. Let me get my right page. This is why we number, number things. Okay, moving forward. Right? We already answered this question, but what happens if we do not repent? Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Christ said, no, I tell you, but unless you repent you all likewise will perish. What does that mean? Sisters in the back row. If you don't repent, you all likewise will perish. It's very simple. You don't need to be afraid to talk. Yeah, you're going to go to hell. Just plain and clear. That's it. There's no uh, fun games at the end. There's no nothing. Simply, if you don't believe you don't repent, you'll go to hell. Uh, I want that to sink into your minds. And Scripture is not joking. So when you think about that, think about your life. And I really like this illustration. I said it once before. Just add 100 years to it. Where will you be in 100 years? You know, life, life ends at some point. And all of us will die at one point, whether you like it or not. You know, right now, Jeff Bezos is spending a ton of money to live forever. He said, I want to live forever. So he's paying scientists millions, tens of millions, to be able to somehow biologically keep him alive forever because he says, life is great. I want to live forever. And so Bill Gates is also spending his own millions upon millions to his own scientists. Hey, allow me to live forever so that my cells can continue to reproduce and never die out and so on and so forth. I don't know how biologically they're trying to do this. And so the billionaire club 
apparently is all trying to do this. They all want to live forever. But God's word says that each man is born and will die. And each man will face judgment. All of us will. So please, consider it. If you have not repented, repent. If you don't, you perish. All right, now here's a question for you. Do we need to have evidence for our repentance? Let's ask this side, this side of the sisters right here. Do we need to have evidence for our repentance? Or can you just say, I repented once, I'm okay. Ten years ago. What about this side of brothers right over here? Towards the back, this side. Do we need to have evidence? Yeah, we do. Right? All right, let's open up to Scripture where it says it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And again, Luke chapter 3, verse 8. It's, it's interesting. Matthew and Luke have the same exact passage in Amber chapter and verse and say the same thing. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. What is Christ saying here in Luke? He's saying, look, don't rely that you're a Jew. Don't rely and say, oh, my father, my great-grandfather is Abraham. Therefore, I am privileged and therefore I can inherit the kingdom of heaven, doing whatever I want. Christ said, don't rely on that. You have to repent. And when you do that repentance, that 180-degree churn, prove it by your fruits, by your deeds. Show that you've actually repented. And so live your life that way. Christ, uh, John the Baptist taught these things, and, and he was actually the one who said that. And and Christ confirmed it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. I want to go to Hebrews, that is chapter 6, verse 1. It says these words, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. What is the writer of Hebrews saying here? He said, let us continue to mature. So, as you change... As you bear fruit with keeping in repentance, you continue to do something called mature. Now, a lot of us in our culture these days do not like that word. That's why you'll see a 40-year-old at the skate park confused about himself. That's why you'll see a woman who is 45 trying to dress up like her daughter. Some of these people are honestly just not maturing. That's honest truth. But Scripture teaches to mature in Christ, mature in godliness. If you don't believe me, just take, go to BibleGateway.com, type into the keyword mature, and you're going to see almost in every single New Testament book, especially the epistles. You have to mature. Mature. A lot of people grow smarter, but the maturity level is not growing. All right, let's take even a look at our, at our age group, right? Take a look at 17 Take a look at 14-year-olds. Yeah, they, they are more knowledgeable. They got more knowledge and information on the tip of their fingers. But maturity, it's going down. Honestly, that's, that's truth, you know. So anyways, let's keep moving forward. All right, Galatians, I want to read Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. That is chapter 5, verse 16. Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul says these words, But I say... 
Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he continues to speak about the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on and so forth. What is, what is Scripture teaching here? Saying, look, if you truly repented in Christ, if you truly put your back to the world, if you truly are in this walk with Christ and you're maturing, these things, you will not do them. You will not want to murder. You will not want to steal. You will not want to cheat lie, you will not want to get drunk or smoke or whatever. You will not want to be addicted to anything. You will not, if you are truly growing in Christ, you will not want to do these things. That's what Scripture teaches. And so let's, let's examine ourselves. All right, let's see if we have some evidence of our repentance or fruit of our repentance. Take a look at your life, right? Let's look at it. Let's just take you're 20 years old or whatever age you are, right? Go back five years. Think back. All right, I'll think back five years. I'll, I'll jog down memory lane a little bit for now. What did you do? What kind of things did you like to listen to? What kind of thing, jokes did you like to say? What kind of stuff did you like to see on your phone? What kind of stuff did you think about often? What kind of movies did you watch? Now, some of you are pretty young, but you could still think back a little bit. Are you changed? Are you a better person now? Not because you changed yourself, but because the grace of Christ changed you. Are you better now than you were five years ago? Or no? Is your life changing into, and maturing into Christ? Or no? Are you still wanting to do those things that you did earlier? Or no? Do you still have some of those friends that take you down bad places? Or are you friendless because you want to know Christ? And sometimes when you're following Christ, you do become friendless. You walk in a desert. Or no. Ask yourself, am I maturing? Where is my fruit of my re oh, repentance? How obedient are you? Are you obedient to your parents, to ministers, to the more mature, godly people around you who are older, who are mature in their faith. I want to ask a simple question. Do you want to see Christians maturing or no? If you do, just, just raise your hand. Do you want godly ministers who are mature in their faith? Do you want godly mothers, elderly women who are mature in their faith or not? Now ask yourself the question, okay, well, yeah, I do, because someday there will be a time where I'll need advice. I'll need help emotionally. I'll need support. I'll need a prayer. I'll need someone to take the burden and help me carry it, because I'm not able to carry it on my own. I need to go to someone and confess my sin, my wrongdoing. I've messed up. I've slipped. 
I've dropped the ball this time. I need to go to someone. Yes, we go to Christ, but Christ also surrounds us, you know, with something called the church. And in that church are teachers and pastors and ministers and evangelists who are able to help and godly people who are mature. If there was no mature Christians, where would we be today? Probably none of you would be born. That's honest truth. Because mature people usually bring up children. And if they're mature at the time when they have them, they're mature when the kids are older, right? But that's because they start looking in Christ's word for encouragement. And so they mature in their faith. It's just a practical example. How selfless are you? Are you giving or are you take? You know, Christ said these words, it is better to give than to receive. How much do you give to others or how much do you just want for yourself? This is one of the signs of a true repentant heart. You know, a true repentant heart who was always growing in Christ eventually begins to bubble up like a spring. Have you ever seen a spring or a geyser or anything that blows water out? They have this pressure building up within them, within them, and then it comes out. Generosity, giving, blessings, the ability to share an encouraging word or some conversation that is seasoned with salt. These things are all necessary in our Christian walk with Christ as we are maturing because of a repentant heart. So look and examine, am I selfless or am I selfish? And we, let's, let's look at the world, selfish. Let's look at Christ, selfless, gave himself up. And every person who lived for Christ, devoted their lives unto Christ. Look at the apostles, they all died for him. They all wanted to give to others. John, the apostle, before he died, it said he was being carried out and he was saying, Loved one another's. Beloved, love one another's. This was his blessing, his desire for them. I want to share a few more verses. That is uh, maturing in the faith, chapter 5, verse 14 of Hebrews. Again, that is Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 14, and will be done soon. It says these words, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Look, there's mature Christians, there's immature Christians. That's just the way it is. Those who are mature are always constantly discerning, trained with constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Constantly, constantly in battle, constantly in warfare, constantly on their knees, constantly worshiping Christ, constantly in His Word, constantly growing in Christ. This is a, a sign of maturing in faith. Ask yourself, where and how am I maturing in my faith in Christ? Maturity, important. That's one of the fruits of repentance. Now, last verse I want to read to you is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. That is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says these words. Apostle Peter says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ends it with these words. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Today we sang wonderful worship. Thank you, worship group. You did amazing. And one of the songs was glorious, glorious. You are glorious. Your name is glorious. And as we're singing, what are you thinking of? Giving God the glory? 
because he's glorious, his name is glorious. Apostle Peter ended it with those words. But before he ended it with that, he said, growing in the grace of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Look, here's my question to you. A true sign that you have repented and put your back against the world and you're growing in Christ is this. Are you maturing in the faith and are you growing in the grace of Jesus Christ, our Savior? Are you growing in Him? Are you growing in His Word? Are you growing in knowledge of God? Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, or verse 10, I believe, says, Growing in Christ, increasing in knowledge and wisdom and understanding of Christ. Here's, a, here's something practical. Where you are right now, and five years from now, do you want to be more mature or not? Do you want to continue to grow in Christ and know Him or not? Do you want to know His Word or not? Do you want to continue reading and growing and seeking His face or not? What you decide to do and what you decide to do every day impacts your decision today, tomorrow, for after tomorrow and for five, ten years from now. So please, examine yourself, as Scripture says, and ask yourself, where have I repented how, when did I repent? If you can't pinpoint a time, that's all right. I was around age 19, and somewhere in that ballpark, between six months, I changed 180 degrees. That's my testimony. And from that point, I grew in Christ, and addictions fell, and all sorts of thoughts fell, and other things began to fall away from me because I grew in Christ. This is my testimony. What's yours? You don't have to be 19. You can be 14, 16, 17, 20, 25. It's between you and Christ. Examine your life. Where have you repented? Are you growing? Are you maturing in Christ? Are you growing in His grace and in His knowledge? Are you grow looking forward to seeing Him one day or not? Ask yourself these questions, and I think that that will be a very good gauge to show you where you are on your spiritual walk with Christ. So continue to always kneel before Christ, ask Him to forgive you, grow in Him, seek His face, and ask Him to guide you. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, to change you, to sanctify you into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us stand for prayer.